Psalm 45, the verse 2, is the text that I want to leave with you. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. I want to speak about the abundance of Jesus. The abundance of Jesus. In verse 1, the psalmist tells us about his theme, what he is going to write about. He describes it in a twofold way. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. He's describing his subject matter. And he describes it, first of all, as a good matter. I, I, my heart is indicting a good matter. My heart is full of a good subject. I want to speak about a great subject, the psalmist is saying. And my heart is overflowing. In fact, a good, a good illustration of this word indicting is my heart's, in, my, my heart's boiling up. My heart's bubbling about a good theme, a great theme, a glorious theme that I want to share with you. The best theme possible. So he wants us to tell us about something that is important and blessed and something worthy of his meditation. He's not going to waste his time and he's not going to waste our time either about something trivial. It's a good matter. But what is that good theme? that he wants to tell us about. He explains it further. He says, I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. That's the good theme. It's about the king. It's concerning the king. And what king is that, you ask? You know the answer. There's only one king. He's described there in the verse, in the verse 6. He's the king of glory. Verse 6, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. The king who is God, the king whose throne is eternal forever and ever, and the king whose kingdom is a right kingdom, a kingdom of grace and righteousness. It's about the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And of course, the words ultimately apply to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing about Christ, the King. That's a good theme, isn't it? It's the best theme. And in the New Testament Scriptures, the psalm is applied to Jesus Christ. It's messianic. It's about him. And the first thing he does as he writes about this King this good theme. The first thing that he does in our text, verse 2, he addresses the king. Do you see that? He's not just telling us, but he's speaking to the king himself. He's addressing the king. He's praying to the king, and he's, he's telling the king about himself. Thou, thou art fairer than the children of men. O oh, Lord Jesus, grace is poured into thy lips, and God hath blessed thee forever. 
So he's talking to Jesus. He's telling Jesus how fair he is. He's telling Jesus how lovely he is. He's telling Jesus how precious he is. This is a wonderful thing. Oh, Lord Jesus, how lovely and sweet a Savior you are to me. That's kind of what he's doing. Why does he do that? Why does he speak thus to Jesus Christ? Does Jesus Christ not know what he is? No, he speaks thus to Jesus Christ because he loves him. This is love talk. This is the language of a bride to a bridegroom. Oh, you're handsome. You're handsome, my king. You're lovely. You're just full of grace. You're so wonderful. It's the language of love and devotion. And we have to ask ourselves, do we love Jesus Christ like that? Do we often just come into his presence not to ask things, but to just tell him how lovely you are, how fair and sweet you are, dear Savior, how precious you are? Do we commune with the Lord Jesus like that? Do we spend time in his company and just talk like this, this, this love talk? That's why the Lord Jesus has given us the Psalms, you know. That's why we should sing the Psalms more often, because it's full of this love talk. It teaches us how to talk to the Lord Jesus, not just to ask things, but to tell him things. The Lord gives us the Psalms that we might intimately this way fellowship with Jesus. Well, as he communes with the king, sweet communion with his Savior, as he fellowships with his Lord, he tells the Lord about of three things about himself. He tells the Lord about the three wonderful things that he possesses. And he possesses them in abundance. He possesses them beyond anyone else. And he's telling the Lord Jesus about these things, the three things that Jesus possesses in abundance. The first is beauty. Thou art fairer than the children of men. And then the second thing that he possesses is is bounty. Bounty, full of grace. Grace is poured into thy lips. You possess grace. And then thirdly, he possesses blessing. And he possesses these in abundance. Do you see how he puts it? Thou art fairer than the children of men, than all the children of men. You possess fairness in abundance. And then grace, you possess it in abundance. It's, it's poured into your lips. And then this blessedness, you possess blessedness because you've been blessed for forever and ever. Abundance of beauty. Abundance of bounty. Abundance of blessing. Oh, Lord Jesus, that's what you are to me. You have all these fur things that are dear to me abundantly. And so the first thing then is beauty. This word fur, furrer, as our translator puts it, 
means beautiful, excellent, lovely, handsome. Lord Jesus, you're beautiful. And Jesus Christ is beautiful. And Spurgeon has pointed out something about this word, fairer, that's most unusual. The Hebrew word is doubled in an unusual way. He says the Hebrew word is doubled. Beautiful, beautiful art thou. Jesus is so emphatically lovely that words must be doubled, strained, yea, exhausted before he can be described. It's the Holy Spirit's way of saying something emphatic, something that's unique, something that's special about Jesus, that he's extraordinarily beautiful. And so it's just an emphatic statement. And this is one way, doubling, doubling two letters. Beautiful, beautiful. And how beautiful is Jesus? How fair is he? How can we see and compare his beauty? You notice that the psalmist endeavors to do that. There's a contrast here. Thou art fairer than the children of men. You see, you really don't know how white snow is until you put it against man's white paint. Oh, you think white paint's nice and white and it's bright, but you put snow beside it, you realize, oh, that's whiteness. And Jesus Christ is like that. You have to put him beside things to see how beautiful he is. And you put him beside all the sons of men, and he's fairer, he's beautiful, he stands out. Unique, special, altogether glorious. And so that's what the psalmist is doing. So we can appreciate how lovely he is. He's saying he's fairer than the children of men. What does that mean then? Well, we may take the best of men, and we can search humanity, and we can find the first, but always the Lord Jesus Christ is more fair, more lovely. He's the Everest among the mountains, so to speak. He's the lion among the beasts. He's the sun among the stars. I like what Samuel Rutherford, we sung one of his, well, it was written by a a lady, but she was drawing from the words of Samuel Rutherford. He had a poetic way of saying things. And I like the way that that, that Samuel Rutherford describes the fairness of Christ in only the way that he could O oh, fair sun and fair moon, and fair stars and fair flowers and fair roses and fair lilies, but oh, ten thousand thousand times fairer, Lord Jesus. Alas, I have wronged him in making the comparison this way. O oh, black sun and moon, but oh, fair Lord Jesus, O oh, black flowers and black lilies and roses, but oh, fair, fair, even fur, Lord Jesus. O oh, black heaven, but O oh, fur Christ. O oh, black angels, but O oh, surpassingly fur, Lord Jesus. <coughs> yes, he's fur than anything. Fur than the sons of men. Let's, let's think about that. He's more fur and beautiful in his conception than any son of man. How were we conceived? We were shapen in iniquity. We were born with depravity. We had original sin. We were, as the psalmist says, I was conceived in sin and shapen in iniquity. I had this original sin from I was conceived in the womb. 
But Jesus Christ is more beautiful in his conception. He had no original sin as he took a human nature to himself. He was free of that. There was no depravity. There was no inclination to sin. He could not sin. He had no original sin. That's when you receive original sin. We get it in Adam when he first fell. And every descendant of Adam when he's conceived, he just has original sin. That's the way it is. But Jesus is conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost uniquely conceived, born of a virgin, his human nature taken from the substance of Mary, without a man, beautiful in his conception, fur than the sons of men in that regard. And then he's fur than the sons of men in his birth. For he was born of a virgin. He was, he was not only conceived and a virgin, but he was born of a virgin. And there is the story of his birth and how beautiful the story is in the narratives of the gospel. It's special, it's unique. No no other human being, no other child of man had, as it were, a unique birth such as Jesus Christ had. The poverty of the story, the beauty of the story, the visitors that he had from the East, from the Orient, and from the shepherds, and even from the angels of heaven. How fair and beautiful is his birth when all the host of heaven gather and they sing around him and they rejoice at the birth of him who is Savior of the world. And they give the praise, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. There never was a man had a birth like that. Oh, but Jesus Christ is fair and beautiful in his birth. He stands out. And then he's beautiful in the names that he was given. Oh, no child ever fitted the names so well that Jesus was given. Oh, we receive this name and that name in it. Sometimes we don't even live up to the name, and the name doesn't mean anything. But he is his names. Beautiful in his names. I shall call his name Jesus. He shall save. He shall truly save his people from their sins. He's called Emmanuel. He's further than the children of men in the names that he receives. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. You remember how the prophet said unto us, A child is born, a son is given, and this is his name. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What son of man had names like that? What, what, what son of a woman was beautiful in the names that he received, such as Jesus received? Oh, beautiful names. And he is his name's beautiful person. He's wonderful. He's all these things. And then how fair he is in his presentation unto God. Yes, parents present their child, as it were, unto God. They do that. And it's biblical to do that. Ah, but there's nothing like the presentation of Jesus Christ. Whenever Mary and Joseph brought him up into the temple, and old Simeon was there, and the old prophetess Anna was there. And they just come in in the providence of God. And that old man took the child up. 
Oh, there never was such a beautiful scene as that. That old man who tells the child, he says, Now I've seen your salvation. I've held the Savior. Now let me depart in peace. And then Anna, she spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Oh, what a beautiful presentation. Beautiful in his presentation unto God in the temple. And then how beautiful in his childhood. Although we're not told very much about it in the Bible, but we're told enough to know that it was special, that he was a beautiful child. What does the Bible say? The child grew. Yes, he grew. He waxed strong in spirit. And even as a child, he was filled with wisdom. There wasn't such a beautiful child. So many children have no wisdom. They don't get wisdom until they're old and older, and they make a lot of mistakes before they get wisdom. But he's filled with the spirit of wisdom as a child. As a little child growing up three and four and seven and eight until he becomes a man as a young teenager. And he's able to go up into the temple and sit among the rabbis and the teachers. Oh, the grace of God was upon him as never upon any child. And you remember how he said among the rabbis as a 12-year-old coming 13-year-old lad, and it says that they were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And Jesus increased in wisdom more and more and in favor with God and man. He's beautiful in his childhood. He's beautiful in his life. Life of sinlessness. A life of obedience to God. Oh, there never was a man who had such obedience. There was never such a man who kept the law of God the way that he did. Absolutely perfect in all its broadness, in all its spiritual extent. How he kept his devotion to God intact, without any fault, without any spot, without any blemish. How his purpose in life, he never wavered from it. He never diverted from it to glorify his Father. He says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He's beautiful in his obedience. He's beautiful in his devotion to the Father. He's beautiful in his doing God's will. There never was a son of Adam like that. There never was any among the children of men were so beautiful. And we've read of godly saints and we've studied the biographies of godly men and we've been impressed with their godliness. But he is further than them all. He's beautiful in his works. What power. Who went about doing good. What plentitude. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Abundant in good works. None ever so beautiful as Jesus in, in all his kindness to men, in all his help to mankind, in loving his neighbor as well as his God. How beautiful is Jesus. And we're so thankful we have the four Gospels and we study the beauty of Jesus in his life. And then his words. How beautiful are his words. Never man spake like this man. How how beautiful in his sinlessness and his holiness. For such a high priest became us who is harmless, holy, undefiled, and separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. Oh, thou art fairer than the children of men, Lord Jesus. There's none can touch thee in beauty and holiness. And how beautiful in the love that he had for souls. How he sought the sheep that were lost. 
how he touched the lepers, how he reclaimed the fallen, how he helped the poor souls of sinners, that woman at the well, and all her sin and lostness and all her darkness, and how he became beautiful to her, and how she went to the people in the village and said, oh, come and see one who told me all that I ever was. He's fairer than the children of men. How beautiful he was in his transfiguration. You remember how it says in his transfiguration, his face did shine. Never a man's face shone like that. Oh, and perhaps we've come out of God's presence and we're filled with joy and there's a glow about us. We're filled with delight and we shine. Ah, but no one ever shined like Jesus. Even Moses who came down from the mount and his face did shine and even had to put a veil over his face as it began to fade away. But there was none whose face shone as Jesus Christ. His face did shine as the sun. And his raiment was as white as the light. He was beaming. He was beaming in his holiness. He was beaming in his communion with his Father. He was transfigured before them. And he was beautiful in that. Very often we are disfigured. Disfigured by sin. Sin makes us ugly. We get into a foul mood. We get angry. We do something wrong. And we're disfigured. We lose our beauty. And we have to go to the fountain again to be washed. But Jesus is never disfigured. Only transfigured. Only beautiful, only fairer than the children of men. How beautiful he is in his sufferings. How beautiful he is in his sin-stained garments. Never so beautiful as he come from the whipping post. Whip for our sins. Never so beautiful as when he wore the crown of thorns for us cursed and wretched sinners. Never so beautiful as when he died on the cross and he gave himself. His death was beautiful. His death was not like the death of other men. We die, but he gave himself. He didn't die the way other men died. He gave himself. He gave himself for our sins. How beautiful he is. How beautiful he was to the Father in not giving himself. It was like incense. It was like a pure offering. It reconciled sinners to God. It was so beautiful. It propitiated the divine wrath. It was so beautiful. It satisfied the law of God and the justice of the Father. He's beautiful in his death. Beautiful to the Father and beautiful to sinners. And even beautiful to angels who who desire to look into these things and see Christ crucified. Beautiful in his resurrection. Beautiful in his ascension to glory. Beautiful in his place in glory. No man ever had a place in glory. Yes, the saints go to heaven. The saints go to be with the Lord. But none sit at the right hand of God. None have the place of prominence and exaltation that he has. He's beautiful. He's fairer than the children of men. Than all the children of men. And so he's, he's, he's fairer in his coming again too. And we could go on. How great is his goodness. The Bible says how great is his beauty. 
Remember how the, the daughters of Jerusalem they found the bride and they said, What's your beloved more than another beloved? What's your beloved to be compared to to all the sons of men? Oh, what an answer she gave she give them. My beloved's white and ruddy. The chiefest among ten thousand. His head is his most fine gold. His locks are bushy, black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk, and fitly set. His cheeks, oh, there is a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. His lips are like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are as gold rings set with the burl. His belly is as bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as pillars of marble, set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as leaven, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. He's so beautiful. Jesus is beautiful. Thou art fairer than the children of men. And if he's so fair, if he's so beautiful, how we should come to him, how you sinners should want to marry him. Who would not want to marry such a beautiful son of man? Who would not want to be, as it were, entering into a relationship? His beauty is like a magnetism. It should draw you. It should draw you to Christ. How easy it should be to be drawn to Christ. He draws us with the cords of love. But you know, there's something about his beauty. If you really see his beauty, his beauty will draw you. You know, to see Christ is to love Christ. When you truly see Jesus, you'll love him. Because his beauty is such. It's, it's a magnetism in itself. And so, how we should look and stir at him, looking on to Jesus until we see that beauty. And we're just one bad. With Jesus Christ, it's love at first sight. It's love at first sight with Jesus Christ. The problem is, sinners are blind and they don't see. I don't see. They're blind. And they need to have their eyes opened. And you know, whenever you, whenever you see the beauty of Christ, you'll not be ashamed of him. You're not ashamed of someone who's beautiful, someone who's a lovely person. You're just so proud that they're your partner or whatever. And Jesus Christ is so beautiful. You'll never be ashamed of him. He'll never be an embarrassment to you. You'll just be so proud. He's mine. I belong to him. I know him. I'm in a relationship with him. And you'll esteem his beauty. And even more than that, his beauty is transforming. That's the marvelous thing about the beauty of Jesus Christ. It transforms you. When you see it, you begin to be turned into it. Whenever you look into his face, you become like him. 
at the minute we have to look in the, in the glass darkly to see his face. But even then we're changed from glory to glory, the Bible says, as by the Spirit of the Lord. But one day we'll see him face to face. We'll see his beauty without the dark the glass, without even the need of the Scriptures. We'll see him face to face. And when we'll see him, we'll be like him. Because his beauty is transforming. You are ordained to be like Jesus Christ in his beauty. And when you see him, you will be like him. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. In his beauty. Thou art fairer than the children of men. But how blind sinners are. Oh, they see no beauty in him that is arm. Didn't they cry out? Not this man. Not this man. Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Well, what Barabbas? Barabbas is a more beautiful one to us. That robber and murderer. But they were so blind. They didn't see any beauty in Jesus. Even when Pilate brought him out. Behold the man. Away with him. Away with him. But don't see any beauty in him. Oh, sinner, how blind you are. How blind you are. You need your eyes open. And you need to pray. Oh, Lord, show me your beauty. You remember how the Savior went to the blind man? What would you that I would do unto you? Lord, that I might see. Sinner, you need to pray. Lord Jesus, show me your beauty. I would see Jesus. Isn't that what they said, the Greeks said of old? We would see Jesus. Yes, there's no more beautiful a sight. And then secondly, he's abundant in grace as well. We're going to be very quick with this one and we're not touch the third point at all. He's abundant in grace because it says grace is poured into, your, into his lips. He's like a vessel. And his mouth is the, is the entrance. And his grace is poured in. It's not drip, drop. It's not bit by bit. It's not a little here and a little there. It's not sparingly or rarely. But it's poured in. He's full of grace. This is a wonderful thing. Jesus Christ is full of grace. Grace. He abounds in grace. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Full of grace. And of his fullness have we received. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said, was exceeding abundant. He's full of it. You remember how he says to us all the time, in the fullness of his grace, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm full of grace. It's poured into me. And so he is. And we're glad he is. He's full of kindness. Because that's what we need. We need grace. Because we're sinners. We need grace. He's a saviour full of grace for us as sinners. He's not full of wrath. He's not full of anger. He's not full of fiery vengeance. No, those things aren't poured into his lips. It's grace. Grace that saves us. Grace that finds us in our lost condition. Grace that comes to us in our lost estate. He's full of that. And to... Well, that's why we must not reject him. Why would we reject a Savior full of grace and risk meeting a God full of wrath? Why would you do that, sinner? Why would you pass by Jesus Christ full of grace for you? 
and dare to face a God who is full of consuming fire. You don't have to. There's a Savior full of grace to forgive your sin, to wash away your uncleanness. So don't be unwise. He's full of grace. His lips make us think of his mouth and his word because his word is full of grace. His word is gospel. His word is good news. As the bride said, his, his mouth is most sweet. His mouth, not just sweet, but most sweet, full of sweetness, sweetness itself, saturated with sweetness. What's sweeter than grace? The grace that saves us. I tell you, there were plenty of sinners in the Bible, and they found that. That his mouth was full of grace as he was full of grace. Remember that woman, that poor sinner, the woman that was a sinner. And the Pharisees, you know, they just wanted to trample on her and just kick her about and just to say, what would the Lord have anything to do with her? But what did the Lord Jesus say? Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. What did the Savior say? Thy sins are forgiven. Oh, the grace of Jesus Christ. Remember how he said to the woman with the issue of blood, oh, everybody would just, you know, chase her away and wouldn't have anything to do with her and she's, she's unclean and they don't want to get ceremonially contaminated. But the Lord said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath saved thee. Jesus will speak kindly to you, sinner, if you come to him, if you fall out of state, whatever your sins, whatever your hurts in life, however you've offended God and let the Lord down, just repent. Just come humbly and meekly and fall out of state. He's full of grace. And he'll say to your soul, be of good comfort. Your sins, which are many, are all forgiven. I speak peace to your soul. Oh, listen to him. He says, come to me. Come to me for forgiveness. Come to me for cleansing. He calls you. How can you resist the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Don't resist it. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Take it as you take him. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Full of grace and full of blessing, eternal blessing, and I'll share it with you the abundance of Jesus. Let us pray.